Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine. Well, today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Achim Arnold. Achim, you're so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Hey, it's really nice to be here. And it's so nice for us to catch up that we almost forgot to press record. So now we're going to condense our time and hopefully get more value. I don't know how it's going to work. Let's just see. Achim, one of the things that stands out for me is connection and making connection and connecting people it's something that you seem to be really interested in good at where does that come from Hmm. that's a very good question that I don't really have the answer to I think um but it's been with me since I was a child I was always very interested in like what other people do I always liked when I was probably like our oldest son is seven and a half years old Maybe from age six, I have these memories of sitting with like the more interesting friends of my parents, like having like proper conversations with them. I was always very interested in learning from people where I thought there was something to learn. And I think there's something that I then later on discovered as a teenager more properly that I have like a love of people. And then in my mid 20s or early 30s, actually, in a personal development program like a one-week retreat with some meditation and therapeutic interventions and I was with an Israeli and a small group with the Israeli who reminded me which I already knew but it felt really significant in that moment that my name Achim Joachim in Hebrew means brothers and from that day it really became clear from the week that followed that this brother sisterly quality in me there's something that I give out, but also that I look for, how I often connect to the world and people around me, even in difficult situation or conflict, that there is often a quality and a deep remembering in me that we're all brothers or sisters in one way, even though things are tough and we might be in a grown-up, businessy, but the fight situation, like brothers and sisters, really, you know, and there is a connection. So I don't know why, But it's interesting that you spotted that. And I think that's three key things to say about that. 
That's a lovely reflection. And I love that you bring your childhood into it, because I guess for many of us, that's where our interests come from. And we grow detached from that. And something in life often reminds us. And then you talk about that presence or that remembering in you. And for me, we met last year for the first time in Craig Bierach. I've had a lot of Craig Bierock people on recently, but up in <laughs> the Isle of Butte. And I was struck in your presence. And I remember saying it to you afterwards that for me, I think you're probably one of the people I've met in my life. I felt so comfortable and so safe with immediately. It was as if I, I had known you for mm. years. And so there is something that you invite by I guess I don't know how it happens it's kind of like a magic Mm. and has this always been there Akim do you know Mm. wow this is wonderful thank you for saying and reflecting that back I'm going to stay with your question I think there's more to say about the deep appreciation about the way you're bringing this I really value that in an attempt to answer, I, I do have memories of conversations that was probably more like the early teenage years when, you know, relationships and like heartbreaks and romances in very innocent but complicated ways happened. And I remember having like at a party, basement party, like and someone had a converted basement to a party kind of discotheque room in their parents' house. And But I remember these moments like sitting on the stairs with like male or female friends who are in one of those difficult situations and have a conversation about it or or receiving a rant or leaning a shoulder. And I would not say that I've sought this, but somehow, yeah, these constellations or moments, they were not infrequent. They were not all the time. I wasn't kind of like the community talk doctor or something, but yeah, there were those moments. Interesting. And the connection goes on because I know you like to connect around anything purpose driven. So again, where is that coming from? And what is the purpose perhaps? Hmm. I mean, I was not religious. I'm still not, I would say I'm spiritual. I have certain beliefs from different, I could, put them to different types of faiths or practices but I was part of like a church community with a kind of council founded youth center attached to it they were co-funded and I think there's more easy to subscribe to if you forget about the institution Christian values of behaving towards others if you would want others to behave to yourself and generosity they were somehow around me and it was really a good kind of container to go on like youth trips as a participant but then as an older teenager we had something that was called the community leader circle and I think we were allowed to join from age 12 and one of the first things we did was go on to this three-day course where you get trained like as a youth group leader you know of course at age 12 you can't lead groups alone but you're allowed to tag along and there's like 16 year olds and 18 year olds who have legal responsibility And then you create weekend trips or day trips together. Again, that's more like an expression of, and I see you're asking for the why. And and I think probably the answer is no. I think it's innate is the best I can say. 
it gives me joy and it makes me feel human to be part of a community to provide and create for others and if i take that to today and particularly the last four years of my work life where i've deliberately tried to take on most of my projects in the esg or s and esg sector working with a really well-known and very experienced human rights and business consultancy that was more remote and virtual but it felt connected to that you know i was striving for other ways to bring connection and repair damages or prevent harm in a certain community based on my previous business and consulting background you know and bring that to a different sphere of influence and yes there's a part of it which kind of cognitively and ethically says this is something that i want to do and i should do and there is something between purpose and self-interest that i feel like a more whole human being if I make a reasonable, maybe slightly lower income with things that I can in 10 years talk to my children about when they ask critical questions with more integrity. Wow. It's not always the easy road to take, though, is it? Even what you say about reducing income, because oftentimes, I guess, we are driven by having that higher income so we can provide material goods and everything we didn't have for our kids if we have them I don't but that's what you're talking about there Mm. so actually what you want to do is to be able to give your kids the answers from your heart perhaps when they come and ask you questions about what this is all about what (laughs) what can I do in the world and, and and why I'm laughing is because that's in the future, I think. Because let's face it, if, it, if it, just looking at the facts, what is it that daddy does for a living? I sit in front of a computer a lot, you know, and luckily sometimes there's people on the screen and, and the world has really moved that it's like now accepted and welcome occasionally for children to run along with the screen, depending on the type of conversation. So there is that but if we then talk about like well there's there's a, a neighbor here who's like a rescue firefighter who is much more easy to observe like how he helps people at great risk and with much effort that's in the real world it's tangible so i think that's for the future what we do at home is we try to kind of make things and connect to nature right so i mean one of our children goes to a a farm school one day and then goes to a different kind of education setting where they go outside a lot and there's a strong element of nature connection and then i try to deliberately like repair and make things at home so my granddad was a carpenter my dad was still very skilled and my granddad's workshop was around until i was 12 and then it had to be shut down because it wasn't used enough but I do have some more serious woodworking tools and, you know, I make a case of it because I like it, but we also, I invest the time. Because I think it's really important that they see, well, we can make things, you know, and this is how things are made. And, and our family is able of, of making a new kitchen cabinet or building certain things. Yeah, and that you create the time to do stuff Mm. like this as well, because you can just sit in front of the computer all day long, or you can make the choice to go out and spend time in nature or to show the kids that you can make things. It seems like a luxury. 
it doesn't seem like the norm to do that yeah i mean i think it is a luxury because obviously i can do that we're not like super well off or rich or live in a massive house and I got it all sorted by any means but I'm aware that this is a privilege and it's not easy and not only all the time it's nice to come on a podcast and talk about this because this is kind of the theme and how the questions are being asked and if we're being really honest like in the last four or five weeks how well have I done that probably not but it's there as an aspiration and we try to to live up to it mm. Mm. And it's good to have aspirations, I think, as well. It's a word I've been thinking about recently is Mm. aspiring to things, because sometimes we put ourselves under immense pressure to do the thing all the time and show that consistency or that effort when actually the aspiration Mm. might be a better way of having the intention rather than forcing ourselves Mm, yeah yeah I think I can agree with that you know and I mean like part of the the systemic coaching and change management in Cologne University the program I'm helping to internationalize there is like this work with the inner team for example and I think it's a tricky business and it's so important to be mindful of and kind to ourselves the understanding what's our ambition and is it realistic and can I listen to the inner critic and hear the message, but don't take the attack and make it like a friendly voice of constructive criticism? Or is it deeply suppressed and this tension that's get manifested in our bodies or limiting our ability to maneuver towards our ambition? And, and again, like, I mean, I am a coach. I'm now helping to, to lead this new program. And at the same time, I'm not external to myself, right? I do need to recharge and go to retreats or get coaching sessions from colleagues myself is because that's really difficult work and you can only get so far with your own reflection and meditation and presencing i do think sometimes the being in a group with peers and holding each other and sharing or having someone who is external to ourselves is invaluable absolutely and systemic coaching or ahim what is it That is a very, very good and big question. <laughs> I was just warming you up with the other ones, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to just give, because this is a chat, right? So right. I'm, I'm going to not go in role and, and stay chatting. And I hope yeah. my professor doesn't listen to this and say, oh, Achim, this is not by the book. <laughs> Please don't but blame I mean... me if you get fired, by the way. <laughs> So for me, it's got a lot to do with being aware, like how a situation is highly contextual, you know, in a coaching situation that, you know, there is an individual in front of us with a particular need, but they are embedded in a family context and a history. They are embedded in a company culture and that there's lots of influences that are part of the context that they're potentially currently struggling with or dealing with. And there's also a context that we as a systemic coach can help explore with particular tools and techniques. Because often in the system and the way it's under pressure or in a certain challenge, not fully explored with those techniques and questions, we can help coaches. And that's a really high part of the values and ethos in the Cologne University program is support them 
in exploring with different eyes because inherently we believe that people know their context best, they know their systems best, they know themselves best, but they sometimes need help to really uncovering and connecting to those resources inside themselves, but also around them. You know, and maybe for some clients, it, it will be more related to their own resources. Some clients will realize that they are allies or certain things that they are in control of or can influence in order to improve the situation. So there's that. And I think another element also comes a bit more from how the individual grows into who we are today, like the inner team and how that's grown over our development. When we have a coaching mandate, obviously we're, our, our mandate and our task is to deal with the present. And in some cases, without working the past, knowing more of the past and connecting what's happening right now is helpful. We are all products of our environment and growing up. Absolutely. And when you talk about an inner team, Akim, what are you getting at there? What is the inner team? I mean, some people use like the word, I think in the UK, more like voice dialogue is kind of like a particular approach and methodology that I'm not trained in, but that relates to that. Some use it in coaching, some in therapy. It's basically that different stories get created over our lives and that make up our ego and exploring what those voices are and that there's maybe certain currents or stories that you could kind of label or give a character you know i mentioned the inner critic which is like very widely known these days maybe not so much 40 years ago you know but now like we can read it in the harvard business review and all sorts of like very widely read newspapers and media but then there is also inner allies and friends. Some people have the inner judge who's slightly different than the inner critic because they're more absolute. And there's a lot of unpicking we can do. And sometimes these become really clear and we can then, I don't want to say constellate because then we're in this whole thing of constellation and systemic constellation, which is not really part of the approach that we are doing there. But of course, there's a cross-section, right? So that we begin to understand what are those figures and how could we label them and how could we maybe also balance a dialogue between those so that we can learn a bit more about what's going on and who's helpful when and when not and as you're talking it's like I mean I understand what you mean and I'm trying to think of it from this perspective of somebody who hasn't really realized that there's more than one voice Mm. or is not completely conscious that there's even a voice. Mm. And I know myself, there's plenty of different <laughs> voices in there that have the different times mm. when they come alive or influence my actions and my behaviours and that we can rewrite those stories, which is so powerful. And it comes back to awareness and Always, I think most things come back to awareness. How do we tune in or attune to some of those voices? And the other thing is, does it clash with being authentic? Mm. Because if we're being authentic, then there's one version of us. But <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that could go very meta, but I'm going to come with, because while you were speaking, like something was trickling through and I'm just going to go really personal and specific, right? So like for in my example, something like a new voice, 
I haven't really given it a label yet, but it didn't exist like until years ago. I have two children now and I have got multiple responsibilities, some of which I've chosen, some of which are part of my life and I love them and they're there, right? And and I feel more tired now. I'm also older than I was 10 years ago. So I now have a new voice like, oh, this sometimes comes, it's always a bit much. I'm really tired and I don't really, can't really accept that. So that's new, right? And there's information in that. Information to take breaks, to take pause, to resource myself better. Maybe nutrition is something that can contribute to that. And there is the bit that it also has become a story. And I sometimes have this voice and actually I have Yes, I am a little bit tired, but it's not too much. I'm okay. And I can take a little pause. I don't even need the pause. It's true, but actually I'm okay. And that was really new for me because I didn't have this level of tiredness and this very unconscious until then voice. It was very important to realize, oh, this has become of one part of one of my stories and a mix of other stories that I need to kind of isolate and allowed to be there and start like my own little dialogue of listening with it, but also giving it a place and not taking it control, like unconsciously and unintentionally dragging on my energy rather than listening to the message, but not being merged with it in a way. So that's kind of like one of my very like recent over the last two years. And I think even now speaking to you and putting it so clearly as like a next level in a public space <laughs> vulnerability here there's you know? nobody listening just me and i think that's like very natural bridge without even like wanting to squeeze it in what's so beautiful about that gib amelia and i have found each other around this craig burroch project that we have met at and i now happen to be the interim chief commercial officer at because obviously i have this role there that is more commercial that is a bit more heady and organizing but in a container whose mission is to help people slow down, connect to self, connect to nature, build good communities and be creative and tap into their artistry to solve the big problems of the world and not be so busy. And it's really interesting now in this stage of my life where as someone who has always been warm and connecting and still am, but with boundless energy, and I don't have that anymore. I need to be much more selective so it's interesting to be involved in this beautiful project with this huge potential while I'm having to practice to kind of slow down and work differently and more deliberately than I was before. Then before was always this strategy mindset also had to do with efficiency, effectiveness and smart working. But I feel like my own mental frame here, we are talking much more about like the being level. I was more on like mindset and doing level here we're really talking about the being level that what is it that needs cultivating in us individuals as human beings or as in multi-sector peer groups and what is it that needs to come through to solve a challenge and move forward with bigger steps when the time is right and that's there's a tension there isn't there <laughs> that needs attention but there is a tension there mm. between the being and the doing and it's one that I find is a constant for me as well even mm. at this this weekend gone it was a long weekend and I had to almost trade 
with myself that I could have some time off and then work on the Monday only and not work over the weekend because I wanted to just be. And the effectiveness, the productive cycle, the efficiency, results are so obvious, even if they're not the results you want. You're producing something, you're going, going, going. But the being side requires a different level of I don't even know is it confidence is it curiosity compassion to slow down and understand that this state of being can actually help you speed up Mm. yeah I can connect to what you're saying. And I think that's part of my path, you know, and there's always degrees of unconscious and deliberate projection going on from my own experiences and and my network, like having come from the corporate world, then having moved into like strategy implementation consulting, then more on the culture and human side while learning to be a coach 10 years ago and getting trained in counseling. So that was always in the background. And I think for me, you, I think there's obviously it's so obvious to say and it feels almost like cheap but there's no one size fits all I mean and in my life it's there have been times and I hope there will be more soon again when the kids are a little bit older because obviously that's that's a choice but also a, a constraint right where there's intense slowing down and stepping out of daily routines and where I live right now like for me it's also about like okay what kind of like selected points of opening and slowing down but then to keep this stillness in moving so we can't always afford with our teams as leaders as decision makers to fully retract they're like deliberate investments of time and even if we have those but we can't cultivate a practice of creating these micro moments in a day in a week then we won't benefit from these big retreats either. I think the shamans from the Native American people talk about the twin trails, like this whole going inward, going outward, going inward, going outward. And only if we do our inner development, you know, the more we grow internally, we can grow externally, but we can never do the one or the other fully. There's always kind of this lying figure eight of going back and forth. And of course, in our lives, we won't always be in balance. And we have to notice when we're stretching one end and we tap into this other resource more that feels like something that's really kind of alive for me totally and as you're speaking there I'm also thinking about it doesn't have to be one or the other Mm. and we do have a tendency as humans it's black or white it's right or wrong it's good or bad when actually it can be both and so we it is finding that balance of being and doing And it's not necessarily that one trumps the other, but if we're constantly in one, then we're neglecting the other. Mm -hmm. And there's value in both. Yes. I mean, and we can see that, right? And burnout, (laughs) depression uh, is on the rise because we as companies and societies haven't sufficiently learned. I mean, we have some amazing trends that there's bigger awareness and exploding offerings that the way we are doing things it hasn't got the right resources resourcing on how we are being 
on our bodies and minds. Absolutely. And you talked earlier about intellectualizing things. Mm. And I think we tend to be very good at that. We tend to be able to understand intellectually this conversation we're having. We can understand the benefits of Mm. both. And anyone listening probably can. There's still a movement from talking about it and thinking about it to being it and we're not learning that one fast enough to prevent episodes of burnout to tackle the root causes in order to reduce the incidences i guess going forward Mm. where does the future of leadership lie with this acume what can people coming up do to find greater balance Mm. oh this is a big question i think being really aware like and mindful and caring with each other brings me back to your really welcome questions from earlier in this conversation about like me and i think that suddenly jumps back at me because i mean obviously we're in very slippery territory or i feel i would be if i go into kind of making broader recommendations there's so many different positions and papers out there but i think there is something about like really being caring for self and caring for others in my old office I, it doesn't work in this one here you know i had this kind of like board behind my behind my screen and so it was on every call and it said like put your own mask on first then help others and i think that's something that's really important for me and many other leaders is if we are kind of a caring character profile and we like thrive on supporting teams and leaders in our work. And actually, if we don't resource ourselves, right, this like in the airplanes, if you don't have your mask on, like you have one or two people and then you run out of oxygen. So I think there is something about like those who more innately because the way their character and their perceptions are wired look more for self that really there's a call for looking more outwards and seeing who's around them how are people doing and i think a lot has happened through covid and awareness has risen for that i hold a curiosity to which extent that's maintained now that people are wanting to be normal and like the deeper levels of recovery are coming out now that we're safer in some ways if our mortgage rates are not running out maybe then there's other stresses but let's not get into that one and those who are more caring and stepping in for others naturally, I think, are called to kind of really look for self, to resource selves. The other thing, before you had finished your question, that kind of was bubbling up for me, and I think led me to this answer, being more aware with self and others, because I think there's also an acceptance of that we won't... <laughs> be able to maintain or many of us won't be able to maintain the same level of mental health throughout our lives and that we all need periods of like prevention or recovery from smaller or bigger mental injuries right we all had a sprained ankle or a broken leg or bigger issues physically i think we're still learning as let's say here in our western world (laughs) about these things in our own way and i think there's a lot of developments happening 
And at the same time, we're still learning. There's this little and beautiful tradition I'm sure you have heard of, and maybe many or some of the listeners as well, of the kintsugi. I'm probably saying this wrong. The Japanese art of mending broken bowls with gold and glue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can't you know, I the think age, that, but yes, yeah. that kind of jumps at me often in these type of conversations that we're all are being more honest to ourselves that stuff, shit breaks, right? We do get cracks and that actually through being honest about that to ourselves and deliberately working on it and quickly brushing it over, that actually this is how personal development works too. Because only if we're under pressure, we're really seeing like, oh, this is where something is not really working. And that gives us a chance to look at it more. It does. And maybe the the difficulty with that one that, that comes up as you talk about us being under pressure. Yeah, I can see us being flexible and bending. So some of us have have gotten you know our pressure valve goes up and we're more flexible more adaptable but when we're under strain mm. and ready to crack it's often the time that we send off the energy actually that says stay away from me mm. or when we need help most it's often the time that we are resisting it mm-hmm. perhaps the most as well and that one I guess when you break you won't let it happen again so you've learned your lesson (laughs) but preventing the person from breaking or lending a hand to somebody who clearly doesn't want it or appears like they don't want it but inside they're screaming for it what's a nice way of approaching someone when you think they look like they're ready to crack. Hmm. I mean, I think the best thing that I can come up with in this conversation is like to trust one's gut and heart. I think there is also something about like, what are we feeling equipped to offer? And I mean, as a German in the UK, there's huge cultural differences as well. I've learned some ways and in other ways there is a limit to my cultural integration (laughs) no matter how hard I work I think sometimes there's even like a gift in it that to be a little bit more direct it doesn't always work (laughs) so I think there is something about what are we willing to kind of uncover because I think if we notice that then we got to be there for a certain extent and be able to hold it for a while or be really honest like okay well I'm glad I asked thanks for sharing I feel this is also a bit much for me, but what can we do to get you the right help? But this is such a kind of now made up generic sort of thing on my mind. But I think that's one of the key things why there's no one size fits all. Yeah, and it's funny that you talk about the cultural differences because even as an Irish person in the UK, there Mm. are cultural differences. And I've spent most of my career working in other cultures with different cultures and there is a perspective that you can bring then and you can always apologize afterwards oh I didn't really understand that (laughs) and that uh, yeah it does give you a different perspective on things and a different way of asking Mm. and a different way of approaching I suppose the main thing is is 
not the main thing, but there is a there's a lot to be said for putting the mask on first of recognizing your breaking points or your flexing too far points that it's a bit like a one of those things that goes moing <laughs> that the reverberation will be too much for your system to bear mm. and looking after yourself isn't something to take for granted mm. it's something that is very important mm. and you use the word joy earlier and being, you know, feeling human, like a whole human. And I always find this a funny, not funny, <laughs> peculiar, but funny ha-ha in a way that we have to remind ourselves that we're human. Where did we lose touch with that? Why do we need to remind ourselves we're human? <laughs> wow i don't know if i if i can speak to this very skillfully i want to be super honest about that i think i personally i can speak for myself like i i feel reasonably human most of the time i do sometimes feel in some kind of ways of kind of personal development work people would call me like a merger i think that gives me the ability to connect well with people but also sometimes i don't feel myself separate enough from contexts or individuals or systems, including my computer. So I've had to learn that over the years and I still need to do it. So like, maybe there's a bit of a detour to answering your question with one of my examples. So I sometimes find myself working on the computer with my two screens here. And there's a very fine line between like, I'm here, I'm like grounded in my chair. I'm Achim, the human being. And I've got this mission in life and the things that I have to do today that hopefully will get me a bit closer to this mission in life or in those projects. And I'm using this tool that's in front of me while I'm physically manifested in my chair to extend to the world with the help of technology and the internet. Or am I here? I'm in my thoughts, active and looking into these blue screens. You know, my neurological system is influenced by that. And actually, I'm being sucked up into this world. And actually, I don't feel myself so much as a human being in that moment or for periods of half an hour, two hours, three hours. So that's when I personally sometimes have to remind myself or like actually come back to the physical human being in a chair in space with a vision in life rather than being in this very heady cognitive space. An extension of computer yeah, that's, a, that's a lovely story, actually, because I can I could see how many of us would feel like that, actually, and the distinction can blur. And yeah, I've asked this question a bunch of times to different people, I think, and this is an answer that I can <laughs> grasp. I may not have to ask this question anymore, actually. <laughs> This is one small nugget. I mean, you get into like a very meta social conversation that may be too big for, for whatever time we, we might have left here. But of course, there's a lot of people rightfully talking about, you know, like, you know, the frequency of using mobile phones, screen time, urban living and the loss of connection to nature. I've heard someone who was it really well, I think a parent to a child 
was explaining something. Unfortunately, I can't remember the context, but just like really using like totally like without even a second thought about it, like just saying like, look, we are animals. I was about fear of the dark and why people have difficulty, some people have difficulty sleeping and that we're animals and, you know, most of the human evolution, we were exposed in the night and we can't see so well in the dark as some animals can do. And, and that's why our nervous system kind of gets more alert when it's dark outside. And for some people that produces a feeling of fear. And I think that was like a really nice nugget. It suddenly comes back to me. It just happened like, I think three days ago, while some people were talking about their camping trip and having difficulty sleeping. That's fascinating. My and sister. being human also means, means remembering that we're like an animal. Yeah. And, and a lot of what we do is like also driven, not just by like how we grow up and psychology. It's also hormones and neurological processes that we give meaning to fascinating because my sister left me a voice note this morning and my four-year-old's niece is having trouble sleeping mm. she's waking up in the middle of the night afraid of monsters that's a great story to now go back to my sister with because mm. it's not just about who we are now but what we've brought with us and what we've inherited from so many years gone mm. Akeem, we went all over the place and <laughs> the time is up. <laughs> well, thank you so much for entertaining my questions and for engaging in that conversation. And if somebody would like to know more about you and the many things you do, how can they connect with you? Ooh, I mean... I think LinkedIn is probably today the most easy thing to find me, regardless of the projects that I'm involved in. If it's coaching at the moment, that happens a lot at the Cologne University project. And then there's Craig Baruch with the more, you know, deceleration and entrepreneurism. But I think LinkedIn is a good, good place to go. Fantastic. And I'll put your details in the show notes. Achim, thank you so much for that conversation. Likewise. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.